right, folks, happy Friday and welcome back into the student section podcast where we talk all things college sports. This is episode number nine of the show. It is Friday, December 30th, 2022. And always remember, we drop new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at student section CFB, or you can find us at our website, thestudentsection.net. And always remember, folks, subscribe to the show download the show, rate it, share it with your friends. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of your favorite platforms. So with all that being said, you'll be listening to this on December 30th, 2022, which means New Year's Eve is tomorrow. The college football playoff is tomorrow. And I really want to dedicate this episode to giving a good comprehensive preview of the two semifinal games So you can leave this episode with a good grasp of where all the four teams are at, what they're good at, what they're not good at, all the storylines surrounding the teams, so you can really appreciate these amazing games and these amazing spectacles even more. So that's going to be the main topic of the episode, but we're also going to run down our best bets of the week, some props we like in the games, what we think of the remaining New Year's Six Bowl games at the end. So if you're into all that, stick around. And I don't want to waste too much more time with the intro here because I do think that this episode is going to be a bit more long-winded. So without further ado, folks, enjoy the show. Let's do it. All right, our first matchup here is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl between Ohio State and Georgia. The Buckeyes 11-1, the Bulldogs 13-0, and winning their conference championship, which means they are coming into this one as the overwhelming favorite. I mean, they're favored by seven and a half points, according to Vegas. And while I think they are undoubtedly or undoubtedly a better team than Ohio State, I do think that they got the tougher of the two matchups. And that shouldn't be the case, given the fact that they were the one seed. I mean, I think I could speak on behalf of Michigan fans when they say they would have much rather played TCU than had Ohio State get another shot at them. So Georgia really gets handed a team here in Ohio State that really matches up well against them talent-wise. Like, last year, Georgia's semifinal game against Michigan, there was a clear disparity in the level of athletes that both teams had on the field. Georgia was faster, stronger, more physical, and they just bullied Michigan from the very start. And I don't think they're going to be able to do that to Ohio State right away. I think Ohio State is more their equal than Michigan was last year. So I think this could be a really exciting one versus four matchup. And we haven't gotten many of those in the college football playoff era. So I want to talk about Georgia first. And when you're talking about the Georgia Bulldogs, you have to talk defense. They're 10th nationally in total defense this year. And I bring that up because... One of the big storylines surrounding this Georgia team is last year's defensive unit and how it was one of the great units in college football history. And people are already comparing this Georgia defense to last year's. And while I don't necessarily think that's too far off, I think it's very unfair to say. And the numbers certainly back me up in saying that. I don't want to bombard you with statistics here, but just... Off the top of my head here, last year's Georgia defense allowed 279 yards per game. This year's is allowing 305. Last year's defense, 10.4 points allowed per game. This year's team's up at 14. 79 rush yards allowed versus 81. 
and 199 pass yards allowed versus 230. So there's big statistical gaps there. And once again, that is no knock on this year's Georgia defense because those are very good numbers, but I think they really aren't Goliath anymore like they were last year. I mean, watching their semifinal game against Michigan and the latter parts of that game against Alabama, I really was saying to myself that this team is unbeatable. And I'm not quite saying that this year because like I pointed out, I think Ohio State is very much an equal adversary in terms of talent. So you look at this Georgia team and it's no wonder they're dropping off on the defensive end because, well, they got six underclassmen starting, six freshmen or sophomores starting on defense. They obviously lost eight defensive players to the draft last year, including five first rounders. So there's a lot of talent that needs to step up. And I think you've seen it um, kind of as the years progress. But what I want to do now is really break down this defense and what they're good at. So they're obviously going to come at you a lot of times in that traditional 3-4 look. It's called their mint look. And we all know that a traditional 3-4 defense relies on a big physical presence up the middle. And that's why this defense was so successful last year with Jordan Davis at the nose tackle spot. And they haven't gotten that same consistent physical pressure up the middle this year like they've gotten last year. It's been more reliant on the edges like we've seen with guys like Jalen Carter. So that's one place where they've definitely taken a step back is that big presence in the middle. One place where they haven't taken a step back whatsoever is those two hybrid outside linebackers that they use so much. This year, it's Jamon Dumas Johnson and Jalen Walker. These are two of the most, I don't even really want to call them linebackers, but they these are two of the most athletic defenders in the country. I mean, watching film of that LSU game, the SEC championship, they were flying around the field. They're so athletic to the point where they're kept on the field a lot of times when Georgia goes to a nickel or dime package because they can cover anyone. They can chase down anyone. They can match up with any receiver, any tight end. That's why they are so effective. Freak athleticism on the outside for Georgia. And that is somewhere where they've really kind of separated themselves from other teams on defense because this defense relies on athleticism. A lot of times they'll also line up in their 4-3 tight front and then they usually drop their ends into coverage. You see that a lot with guys like Chaz Chambliss and Robert Beal. And this defense is really all about throwing different looks at quarterbacks and rushing the passer from different angles. And it's going to be interesting to see how they fare against the Ohio State offensive line because they did very well against LSU with all their different stunts, um, front configurations, safety blitzes a lot of the time. going to be very interesting to see what they can do against Ohio State. Moving on to their secondary now, I am very interested to see what their young secondary is going to do against Ohio State's stud receivers. I mean, the Marvin Harrisons of the world, the Julian Flemings of the world, Emeka Abuka. I mean, Georgia, their defense really excels at cutting off underneath routes due to the athleticism of their linebackers covering over the middle. And Javon Bullard, Kelly Ringo, those two guys especially 
really step up in man coverage situations, but obviously they've never covered the Marvin Harrisons of the world. I mean, these SEC receivers, not to say that they're not good, but I think Ohio State definitely has the most talented and athletic receiving core in the country. So you see Georgia a lot of the time too, they convert to their zone or their their cover two and Tampa two look. And in the SEC championship, that's really where Kayshawn Bouti had their number attacking the teeth of the Georgia defense, accelerating through the middle, isolating with a safety, creating those mismatches. It's going to be very interesting to see if Kevin Wilson and the Ohio State offense can exploit those matchups as well as LSU did. And if they can, they've got half a shot. But if they're relying on their receivers to create separation in man situations, I think it's going to be a lot tougher for them to win this game even though their receivers are that good. That's what that says about Georgia's defense. So moving on to Ohio State now, this is a team that has done a complete 180 in the past couple weeks. We talked about it a couple episodes ago, but Ohio State is fresh off of a 45-23 loss to Michigan. And during that game and even after that game, all throughout social media, the world of news Ohio State fans, the program as a whole, they are not happy with the performance of Ryan Day, or they were not happy uh, with the performance of Ryan Day. Fire Day was trending. All these, they were chanting at Urban Meyer to come back while he was on the Fox post-game show after the game. I mean, just two, three weeks ago, actually more of a month ago now, this team and this fan base was in absolute shambles. And... Since they've gotten selected for the college football playoff, it has been a complete 180 to the point where now they're saying, yeah, we could be Georgia. Yeah, we weren't just, you know, claiming we should fire our coach a month ago. We could beat Georgia. Yeah, we're that kind of team. And I agree they can beat Georgia, but it's going to take one hell of a turnaround. And it all starts with righting the wrongs of the Michigan loss and stopping the run. And that's not going to be something easy against Georgia. Michigan's offensive line won the Joe Moore Award and rushed for 252 yards on the Buckeyes. Guess whose offensive line was a finalist for the Joe Moore Award this year? That's right, it's Georgia. And also with Ohio State, they really need to work on their halftime adjustments. They're allowing 18 second-half points per game in their last three games, and they allowed 242 rushing yards in the second half of that last game against Michigan. Kirby Smart's a great coach. You're going to need to bring your A game against him. You're going to need to really dial in against a team like Georgia, folks. You can't rely on the same thing to work the whole game. For some reason, they thought it was going to work against Michigan, and it blew up in their face in the second half. So this coaching staff really needs to adjust and adapt against Georgia. Adapt or die, that's what wins in this new era of college football. Moving to more of the offensive side for Ohio State. I'm going to say the three words that Ohio State fans have been saying for the whole entire season, and that is let CJ cook. CJ Stroud is one of the most dynamic players in the country, and I really think part of what went into their loss to Michigan was their reluctance to kind of let him get into a rhythm and develop confidence in the second half. I mean, before garbage time, before those final three minutes of the game, C.J. Stroud was 6 of 10 for 85 yards in the second half of the Michigan game. Your bet, your star quarterback, your Heisman finalist, is going to need to throw the ball a whole lot more if you want to beat a defense like Georgia's. And that brings me to my next point. How well can Ohio State establish the run? I mean, 
we really don't know how healthy their backfield is going to be. I mean, Hen- uh, Trevion Henderson and Meyer- Mayan Williams, their statuses were in question against Michigan. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be in question this week. I haven't heard much about either injury. I mean, the Michigan game saw Chip Trainum, who is a converted linebacker, uh, get a bulk of, uh, bulk of the carries and didn't perform poorly by any means. But once again, it's going to take a lot more than that to beat a defense like Georgia. You're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at these guys. So the health of that Ohio State backfield is of paramount importance in this one. So that's all I have to say about this game. I want to move on to the other semifinal matchup, and that's Michigan against TCU. Let's do it. Right, TCU and Michigan in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. This one's in Glendale, Arizona, State Farm Stadium, and I am so excited to watch this one. I think it's a very unique clash of styles, and I'm really excited to see how the duel between Max Duggan and J.J. McCarthy and Michigan's run game and TCU's defense plays out. So let's talk about the Wolverines first. This is a team who just won their second consecutive Big Ten title. They rank first nationally in point differential with plus 26.7 points per game. And they have the number two total defense in the entire country. And Michigan's story all starts with their complete and total youth movement on both sides of the ball. I mean, it all starts at quarterback. You're looking at J.J. McCarthy. First-year starter, he's only a sophomore. He totals 2,300 yards on the year, 20 touchdowns, 3 picks. He's ranking top 15 nationally in QBR, and he posted 263 yards and 4 total touchdowns against Ohio State. Elsewhere in the backfield, Donovan Edwards, oh yeah, he's only a sophomore. He replaced Blake Corum, who tallied 1,400 yards and 18 touchdowns, and that is no easy task. But guess what, folks? Donovan Edwards, 7.5 yards a carry this year. He has filled those shoes tremendously, beyond tremendously. Also on offense, you have the true freshman tight end, Colston Loveland, who has really come on because of injury, and he has really turned up in the final games of the season, posting a touchdown against Ohio State and Purdue. He's a matchup nightmare. He's a big physical tight end, vertical threat. I think he can cause TCU a lot of problems with his size in the next one. Another guy who can cause TCU a lot of problems, the true freshman corner, Will Johnson. He is the highest graded freshman defender in the country this year, and he had two interceptions in the Big Ten Championship against Purdue. Elsewhere on defense, you've got Mason Graham, the true freshman nose tackle, who has been a stud on their defense all year long as well. I mean, I could talk about Michigan's young talent forever. It is so impressive to see what Jim Harbaugh has done with this team in the past two years and really letting those young stars take over. Michigan has so many young stars to be excited about on this defense, and this is a defense that's really stepped up big time in the past couple weeks, and you really can't tell by looking at the box scores. I mean, they gave up 23 points in their last two games. That's nothing to really scream at, but you look at how they gave up those points. Against Purdue, they gave up one touchdown and five field goals. Against Ohio State, two touchdowns, three field goals. They are bending and they are not breaking, and that is going to be very important against a loaded offense like TCU. And I want to talk about how their defense really matches up with that TCU offense because I do think that TCU can give them a lot of trouble. I think there are a lot of matchup nightmares 
on the TCU offense like Quentin Johnston, like Kendra Miller. And that's why Michigan really kind of has to steer clear of their zone coverage looks this week. I think matching Will Johnson up with Johnston in the one-on-one is the better move than perhaps getting a safety stuck on him, like the Mike Sanders stills in the, of the world, the RJ Motens of the world, who are very good defenders, but I don't think they have the size to play with these big TCU receivers. So I think Michigan's defense, as it always does really, is going to have to rely on size and physicality to beat TCU because they have a lot of physical matchup nightmares on that offense. So moving on to TCU now, the Cardiac Frogs, who have definitely scraped by a couple of tough games this season, and I think that's really going to help them in this playoff atmosphere. Being battle-tested is of paramount importance. You see a lot of times in the playoff, teams who have blown everybody out, who haven't played the tough games against tough teams, have really gotten blown out sometimes, and I don't think you're going to see that with TCU. I think they're going to be ready for this Michigan team, and it is going to be very interesting to see if they can do what the Ohio States of the world couldn't and be physical enough to hang with Michigan for four quarters because you'll notice in a lot of Michigan's big games this year, they pull away in the fourth quarter. They really beat you down in the fourth quarter, and that is because Michigan's strength and conditioning is superior to many teams in college football, if not all teams in college football. I mean, a lot of people are calling strength coach Ben Herbert perhaps the most impactful hire in college football. So, you know, playing in the Big 12, you don't see a lot of teams as big and strong as Michigan. It's going to be very interesting to see how they react to that and if they can stop Michigan's ground game with their kind of ground and pound style. Another key point for TCU is protecting Max Duggan at all costs. Your quarterback cannot go down. Michigan has a very good pass rush, one of the best in the country. It gave Ohio State fits. It gave Penn State fits. It gave a lot of teams fits. And Max Duggan is going to need to be in a position where he can take over this game for TCU to win. This team thrives off of the big play, and you can't get the big play If your quarterback has no time to throw the football, protecting Max Duggan is going to be of utmost importance. And TCU has shown that they can do that. I think the number was seven sacks all year that they've given up. This offensive line really needs to rise to the occasion against Michigan's physical defensive line. One area of concern I have for TCU is their run defense. This team averages a buck 50 on the ground that they've given up per game rushing and they are really going to need to sell out to stop the run in this one. I think they're going to try to mirror mirror Ohio State's first half strategy against Michigan where they stack the box, eight or nine guys. They're going to try to make J.J. McCarthy beat them because if they sit back and try to cover, Donovan Edwards is going to run all over this defense and they stand no chance. To me, they've got to put pressure on, they've got to stack the box and put pressure on J.J. McCarthy to make the throws to thrive under pressure or else it's going to be a very long game for them. So that's all I've got on the college football playoff games. And now I just want to talk about what I like in the remaining New Year's Six Bowls very quickly. I'm not going to go in depth with any of the games really, but I want to talk first about the Sugar Bowl between Alabama and Kansas State. And this is a game really that I'm more excited for than any of the other New Year's Six Bowls because nobody's opting out. Alabama and and Kansas State have all their stars on the field. TCU is going to have Deuce Vaughn. They're going to have Will Rogers. Alabama, 
They're going to have Bryce Young and, and uh, Will Anderson Jr. This is going to be a very good game. I question the motivation on Alabama's side only because this season was so disappointing for them. And I don't think a Sugar Bowl win is really going to going to ail that in any ways. Kansas State, on the other hand, going to be very motivated coming off of a Big 12 championship. I think Kansas State really could shock a lot of people in this game and cover the six and a half, but it's not something I'd go throwing all my money on based on motivation alone. Next up is the Orange Bowl between uh, Tennessee and Clemson, and this is an interesting one because Cade Klubnick is going to be the quarterback for Clemson, and he has a real shot to... I know it's already his team, and he's already essentially penciled in as a starter for next year, but this is his option to really put his foot down, show who he is on the national stage, and I think it's going to be very easy to do against the Tennessee pass defense that has not been good all year long. They've been consistently bad, giving up over 300 yards a game through the air. I think Cade Klubnick, this is going to be his game to kind of rise to the national stage, throw his hat into the ring of the best college football quarterbacks in the country. So elsewhere, we have the Cotton Bowl on Monday, January 2nd. This is Tulane and USC, and I think a lot of people are counting out Tulane in this game. I think Tulane's offense that is based so heavily on making guys miss, elusive backs, fast athletic receivers, can give USC a lot of trouble based on what we saw in the Pac-12 championship game. Because let's face it, USC is allergic to tackling. We also don't know how healthy that Caleb Williams is going to be in this game. I'm assuming he'll be back to 100% given the fact that we haven't heard anything on his injury. But it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him in a bowl game that doesn't really matter all that much and given that he's coming back next year not quite sure what's going to happen there but i'm excited to watch this game nonetheless because i think there's going to be some offensive fireworks lastly we have the rose bowl between penn state and utah and while opt-outs have kind of ruined the luster of this game a little bit i still think this is a big game for both of these programs who are these are really two programs looking to enter next year on a good note i mean utah winning their second straight Pac-12 title, really trying to assert themselves now among the elite teams in college football, kind of ascend into that next tier, and Penn State, a team whose only two losses are to two college football playoff teams, they're going to try to, I'm going to use the the analogy again, throw their hat into the ring among the premier teams in the Big Ten and say, we can compete with Michigan, we can compete with Ohio State, look at us, we just won the Rose Bowl and represented the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this game plays out. You also might get a glimpse of the future because Penn State's offense and a lot of their key weapons are very young. I mean, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton off the top of my head, two guys that are going to be playing, they're not opting out, and two guys that you're going to see next year so these two teams can really give us a glimpse of the future of college football perhaps and for that reason i'm really excited to see this this game because these are two squads that really could emerge into dynasty level teams in the future all right folks that is all the time we have for this episode once again this is the student section podcast where we talk all things college sports we drop new episodes every single Friday. You can find us on Instagram at studentsectioncfb or online at thestudentsection.net. And always remember, subscribe to the show. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite platforms. Rate the show, share it with your friends, and get them in to this college sports content. Sports is better with friends, folks. I like enjoying it with my buddies, too. 
And always remember, folks, whether you are on the bleachers or on the couch this weekend, enjoy the games, and we will see you next week. Take care, folks. Happy New Year. (laughs) 